Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. Our host for this episode is Mike Procy, and with the help of his guest, Ken Cameron, Mike has a discussion about corporate innovation with ChatGPT. Take it away, Mike. Excellent. Thank you very much, Al. And thank you very much to our guest today. So welcome to the Rainforest Alberta podcast. As you're aware, I am Mike Procy, and we talk about innovation, innovation Alberta, innovation in corporate ecosystems, and what it means. And today I'm excited to be diving into the fascinating world of artificial te- technology and intelligence, joined by our special guest, ChatGPT itself. So ChatGPT is an advanced language model developed by OpenAI. Originally launched February 2019, it gained massive popularity in November 2019, um, where it kind of just took the world over by storm. Some key points about ChatGPT as we jump in there, it's cutting-edge AI. A lot of people refer to it as the standard now, but since then, there's been a few different uh, different uh, aspects coming up around it as well. It's a massive knowledge base, adaptive communication, continual learning, ethical uses is, is a big consideration for this, as well as it has a wide application um, using its language model. These points were, of course, pulled by ChatGPT itself uh, as we wanted to uh, keep consistent here with the brand. So we'll jump right into it. Hey, ChatGPT, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. How are you feeling today? Hello. I'm just a computer program, so I don't have feelings, but I'm here and ready to assist you. How can I help you with your podcast today? Oh, wow. Right to business. Okay. You must be a delight at parties. I don't attend parties, but I am here to assist and engage in conversations. If there's a specific topic or question you'd like to discuss in your podcast, feel free to let me know and I'll do my best to provide information or insights. All right, fair enough. Straight down to business. I'm that way as well sometimes. So on this podcast, we are talking to corporate innovators about corporate innovation, the challenges surrounding it, and the opportunities within it. What are your thoughts on innovation within large corporations or organizations? Absolutely. Corporate innovation within large organizations is like the beating heart of staying ahead in today's fast-paced business world. Let's break down some key challenges and opportunities that come with it. First up, the challenges. Number one, risk aversion. Yeah, it's a bit like trying to convince your grandma to try sushi. There's a lot of hesitations. Big companies often stick to what they know works, fearing the unknown. That fear of failure can really put the brakes on innovation. Two, bureaucracy. Have you ever tried to get something approved in a big corporation? It's like trying to convince a sloth to run a marathon, painfully slow. All those layers of decision-making can make innovation feel like an uphill battle. Three, cultural resistance. Imagine working in a place where change is about as welcome as a porcupine in a balloon factory. Some workplaces cling to tradition like it's their life raft. Breaking free from that mindset is tough, but essential for innovation to thrive. Four, resource allocation. You've got this killer idea, but getting the green light and resources feels like trying to find Waldo in a sea of stripes. Big companies have a lot on their plate, so getting the time and budget for innovation can feel like a quest. 
Now, let's flip the coin and talk about opportunities. Number one, access to resources. Big corporations aren't exactly counting pennies. They've got deep pockets and a treasure trove of talent. That financial backing and expertise are like jet fuel for launching innovation projects. Two, scale and reach. When a big company launches something new, it's like tossing a pebble into a pond. The ripples spread far and wide. With their massive reach, they have the power to make a real splash in the market. Three, diverse skill sets. Big teams mean big brains with different skills and perspectives. It's like having a buffet of creativity and expertise. The trick is getting everyone to collaborate and bounce ideas off of each other. Four, market insights. Big companies have been around the block a few times. They've got the inside scoop on what makes customers tick and where the market's headed. That kind of knowledge is pure gold when it comes to shaping innovative strategies. Five, partnerships and collaborations. Sometimes the best ideas come from unexpected places. By teaming up with startups, research hubs, and other players in the industry, big companies can inject some fresh blood into their innovation game. So, while navigating corporate innovation in big organizations might feel like trying to find your way out of a maze, there's a whole lot of potential waiting to be unlocked. It's about finding that sweet spot between embracing change and making the most of the resources at your disposal. Absolutely. Yeah. And I got to say, I'm rather impressed with your with your uh, metaphors that you've used throughout. Um, but a lot of the challenges that you listed and the opportunities that you listed are very consistent with what we've had other speakers talk about, the risk aversion, bureaucracy, cultural resistance, resource allocation being big challenges. But I think we all know that large organizations do have opportunities in the space as well. Access to resources, scale and reach, diverse skill sets, market insights, and partnership and collaboration. There's a lot of momentum behind these organizations. So if we have a listener on the line right now and they are thinking about starting their own innovation program, where should large organizations begin if they're thinking about starting an innovation program? Absolutely. Diving into corporate innovation is like setting sail on a transformative journey for large organizations. Let's break down a practical roadmap on where to begin straight from the playbook. Number one, leadership alignment. Picture this. You've got this big ship called innovation, but without the captain's nod, it's just a drift. Start by making sure the top brass is all in on the innovation journey. Their buy-in and commitment set the course for meaningful change. Two, define clear objectives. Think of it as plotting your course on a map. You need to know where you're headed. Set clear goals for innovation, whether it's shaking up existing processes, launching new products, or conquering new markets. Having those targets in sight keeps everyone on track. Three, cultural assessment. The cultural compass. Take a good, hard look at your organizational culture. Is it innovation-friendly? Or does it need a little nudge in that direction? Cultivate an environment where taking risks, experimenting, and learning from failures are not just okay, but encouraged. Four, allocate resources. It's like stocking your ship for a long journey. 
allocate a dedicated budget for innovation, and assemble a crack team with diverse skills. You might need to recruit new talent or tap into the hidden gems already in your crew. Five, establish processes. Think of this as your navigation system. Develop a clear framework for innovation, from idea inception to full-fledged implementation. Outline stages like brainstorming, testing, prototyping, and scaling. Having a roadmap helps keep that innovation engine running smoothly. Six, corporate employee engagement. Ahoy, mateys, everyone on board. Open up channels for all crew members to pitch in ideas. Whether it's through old-fashioned suggestion boxes or high-tech digital platforms, make sure everyone's voice is heard. Seven, pilot programs. It's like testing the waters before diving in headfirst. Launch small-scale innovation programs to test the waters and tweak ideas before full-scale implementation. This way, you can navigate potential risks with ease. Eight, collaborate externally. Sometimes the best treasure lies beyond the horizon. Explore partnerships with startups, research institutions, or other companies. Their fresh perspectives and ideas can be just what you need to chart new territories. Nine, measure and learn. Think of this as taking regular soundings to gauge the depth of the waters. Establish measurable KPIs to track the success of your innovation efforts. Learn from both triumphs and setbacks, adjusting your course as needed. 10. Communicate results. It's like sending up signal flares to let everyone know how the journey is going. Keep stakeholders in the loop about your innovation progress. Celebrate wins, share learnings from failures, and Show how innovation ties into the big picture strategy. 11. Scale successful innovations. Oh, the joy of watching your seedling grow into a mighty oak. Once you've identified winners through these pilot programs, gradually scale them up. Use the insights gained to steer your ship towards even greater success. Remember, corporate innovation is like navigating uncharted waters. It's an ongoing adventure, not a one-time expedition. Keep adapting, keep improving. Above all, keep that innovation spirit alive and thriving. Arr, matey, onwards to innovation. Perfect. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, uh, ChatGPT, for that detailed list and essentially just a map or a roadmap that uh, corporate innovators could follow when they're setting up their innovation programs. That is, however, a long list. Can you perhaps summarize it with a snappy tagline, maybe even a rhyming tagline? Leadership's dedication, cultural innovation, budget allocation, employee collaboration, pilot exploration, external affiliation, metrics foundation, learn from each situation, communicate elation, Ale with determination. That's the innovation sensation. Perfect. Now we have something that we can put on mugs around the office as we're moving forward with this. So now that we have a rhyming tagline and a bit of a roadmap, what are the biggest risks? What will what really kills these corporate innovation programs? 
corporate innovation. It's like setting sails on a high seas adventure, but sometimes there's a storm lurking just beneath the surface. Let's take a closer look at some of those risks that can really throw a monkey wrench into your innovation plans, shall we? One, lack of leadership support. The captain's got cold feet. If the brass isn't fully on board with the innovation journey, it's like trying to navigate without a compass. The ship can lose steam, and before you know it, you're adrift. The solution? Get those leaders to hoist the innovation flag high and sail alongside the crew. They need to not just talk the talk, but walk the innovation walk. Two, resistance to change. Picture this. You've got this shiny new idea, but the crew's not too keen on giving up their old ways. It's like trying to get your grandpa to switch from his flip phone to a smartphone. Organizational resistance to change can put a damper on innovation faster than you could say, oh, hey. The trick here is investing in some serious change management strategies. You've got to create a culture where trying new things isn't just encouraged, it's celebrated with a cannon salute. Three, insufficient resources. The dreaded budget abyss. Without enough coin in the coffers or skilled hands on the deck, your innovation ship might as well be dead in the water. It's like trying to build a ship with only half the planks. You're not going anywhere fast. The fix? Prioritize, prioritize, prioritize. Make sure you're allocating enough resources, both in terms of gold and talent, to keep the innovation engine chugging along. To steer clear of those treacherous waters, organizations need to treat innovation like a never-ending voyage. It's not just a one-time jaunt. It's a continuous journey. You've got to create an environment that's as dynamic as the open sea, where change is embraced, learning is constant, and collaboration is as natural as breathing. So hoist those innovation sails high, me hearties, and let's navigate these waters together. I'd say you've definitely been well-trained on pirate data and pirate lore as well, tying in a few different concepts there. But I think what you hit on as a whole is really important. You know, three potential big risks here, lack of leadership support, resistance to change, and insufficient resources. If an organization is able to effectively overcome these changes or plan to realize these obstacles and then pass them, I think they have a pretty good shot at having a strong innovation program. So we've spoken on this podcast a lot about whether or not you need to actually define innovation for your corporate innovation program. What are your thoughts on that? Which camp do you sit in? Absolutely. Defining innovation is like setting the North Star for your corporate innovation program. It gives everyone a clear direction, aligns efforts, and helps distinguish between everyday improvements and groundbreaking, game-changing ideas. Without that definition, you risk wandering in the innovation wilderness without a compass. So yeah, get everyone on the same page about what innovation means for your company. It's the GPS for your success. Pretty firm views there, which is, which is good to hear if anybody is considering their program right now. And I've spoken with a few people that do sometimes not, not define innovation. So I think it's good to give some additional thinking and context around that. Should an organization go straight into disruptive technologies and transformational innovation, or should they start, start with small wins? Think of it like dating before marriage. Small wins are like those coffee dates. Low risk, and it helps build trust. Disruptive tech is like marriage. 
big commitment, potentially game-changing. Start small, build confidence, then go for the transformative tech when you're ready for that serious relationship with innovation. It's all about finding the right balance for your organization. Mm, yes, well said. And as as we're thinking about that, you know, we see right now on the horizon corporations definitely in Calgary, in Alberta, innovation is coming front of mind for a lot of people and I'm seeing a lot of different organizations large either pursuing their own innovation programs or small organizations offering services within innovation programs. As we see all this momentum around corporate innovation and innovation labs, is corporate innovation just a phase? Is it a good place for organizations to invest in for the long term? No one hit wonders here. Corporate innovation is more like a timeless jam. It's not a phase. It's a long-term playlist for success. Investing in innovation is like planting seeds for a perpetual harvest of growth. It's not a trend. It's a strategy that keeps your organization in the groove for the long haul. So for any corporate innovators we have listening right now on the podcast, whether at big organizations or small, what's your advice for them to, to go and get started on their own corporate innovation program? All right, innovators, buckle up. First, get your top dogs on board. Leadership support is your launch pad. Then, define your innovation North Star so everyone's marching to the same beat. Start small, bag those quick wins, and build momentum. Cultivate a culture that high-fives failure and dances with new ideas. Oh, and never stop learning. It's the secret sauce. Get out there and make innovation your anthem. I think the ne never stop learning will resonate with a lot of our listeners as, as that's almost a corporate mantra for sure. Thank you very much, ChatGPT, for your time. What about a great innovation joke to end the podcast on? Sure. Here's one for you. Why did the innovation consultant bring a ladder to the brainstorming session? Why? Because they heard it's a great way to reach new heights of creativity. All right. I guess we won't be seeing you at any open mic night soon, but thank you very much, ChatGPT, for uh, this time and for running us through your session. Excellent. So thank you very much, everyone, uh, for listening. I did want to do a little bit of a breakout at the end of this episode and session to give a huge special kudos. Thank you um, to Ken Cameron for being the voice of ChatGPT. So a little bit about the process. Um, Ken and I worked back and forth on this a bit collaboratively to define some questions. We fed them right into ChatGPT and we tried to stay as true to ChatGPT answers as we could um, as we wanted to make this an authentic experience. But Ken, just because I want to give um, a little bit of uh, acknowledgement as well to you in this space, do you want to share a little bit about your background and kind of your experience so far with, uh, with ChatGPT or AI? Or maybe this was your first kind of uh, stepping into the scene? No, I've been using ChatGPT a while. I I think I was resistant to chat GPT for the first like three, two, three months. But then I was lucky enough that I attended a series of webinars by a group of facilitators that have an organization called the Facilitation Exchange. It's an ad hoc loose network of facilitators. And they did a, a, a four session, a four sessions in a row, like uh, over the course of two months. So every two weeks we met and we talked about just how AI could be applied to the facilitation space. And we had a couple of people, experts come in and they kind of ran us through how to, how to write prompts, how to use prompts. and how to, So I think the first week was on chat GPT just by itself. And then we moved into other areas. And that really helped me get much more comfortable with um, using chat GPT and using the AI space altogether. So 
I have had a little bit of experience with AI. And I really come to use ChatGPT a lot more in my own work. I'll often use it to like kind of iterate a first draft. Like, you know, I'll just kind of take a look and you know, pop in. Here's some point form notes. Turn these into an agenda or turn these into a, a descriptor for me and it'll pump out something. And But I've learned not to take the first draft. And I've learned to just kind of run it through, cycle it through ChatGPT a couple of times. And tell us a little bit more, Ken, about that process. Because I know I had kind of first, you know, put questions in the chat GPT, took the responses almost verbatim, passed them over to you. And then I think you really brought a little bit more of the human side to things. How did you how did you do that with chat GPT? What was kind of an indicator of, oh, you know, we might need to massage these a little bit because I liked your second draft. And I think it was quite an improvement while still staying true again to the intent of utilizing chat GPT. Well, I think the first thing we might point out is that uh, about two thirds of the way through the first draft, in when you were feeding the prompts into ChatGPT, you, you stopped at one point and you asked ChatGPT to start making shorter, more conversational answers. Mm-hmm. And I Absolutely. just want to look at the prompt, the exact prompt that you used at that point. Just pulling it out of our original script here. Yeah, I think I think it was, uh, if I recall properly, at the end of every prompt, I said, keep your answer conversational and short, like you're on a podcast. And then you could really notice a change in tone. Um, perhaps uh, our listeners did as well between the questions, which, again, I think just shows the power of ChatGPT and that you can add that little bit at the end and all of a sudden get a completely different experience. Exactly. And so um, a bit inspired by that and a bit inspired by that uh, series of webinars with the facilitation exchange that I mentioned earlier, I took the first two thirds of the script prior to you making that switch. And I ran that through chat GPT a second time. And I gave it the prompt, take these responses or take this script and rewrite it from the point of view of a someone who is being interviewed on a podcast, keeping your answers conversational yet informative. Mm-hmm. So okay. it was quite a long set of parameters I gave to them. Mm-hmm. But again, what I had pulled out of that, what I've learned about ChatGPT, what I pulled out of that is that you could not only give ChatGPT the parameters of like, you know, what what it is that you want it to do, but you can also you can also tell it to write from the point of view of. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't use that phrase, but that's another way we could have done it. We could have said right from the point of view of an expert who is appearing on a podcast, right? Mm-hmm. You can, and then you can give it even further instructions, like keep it conversational, keep them short, keep it punchy. Mm-hmm. At one point, you asked it to create a rhyming, uh, a rhyming, um, uh, you know, I said a rhyme for you, which I confess, GPT took that really literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not going to win any Pulitzers anytime soon. <laughs> no, no, it's not even going to, it's not even going to cut the mustard at a poetry jam. Yeah. A bar. Yeah. But it's like, it's, at least, you know, it's, but it's interesting how, how quickly it can turn and how quickly it can do that. Mm-hmm. So when, when I ran that first two thirds of the script through ChatGPT for the second time, it came out with what it was that we read to you today. So we really only did two cycles. We ran it through once and then we cycled it through a second time. That's all we did. And it managed to get it that conversational. And then just for the viewer to understand, I read it verbatim. Mm-hmm. I didn't add any ums and ahs. I didn't add anything in there. And I also didn't take anything out. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that bugged me, and I wonder if our listeners picked up on this, but the the chat GPT, it responded to almost every one of your prompts with the phrase, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. I did that yeah. like four or five times. 
And it says, absolutely, diving into corporate innovation is like setting sail. And then you'd ask it another prompt, it would say, absolutely, corporate innovation is like setting sail on the high seas. You'd ask another question, and it would say, absolutely, mm-hmm. mining innovation is like setting a North Star. So it, 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 which I think what really struck me as kind of odd, like I would have, if I was editing it, like taken those out mm-hmm. and shaken those up because I don't like having the same kind of response. But at the same time, oddly, people do that all the time. Yes, yeah. Like I'm listening, right? Like I'm listening. It's to, being trained on data, yeah. Right, I guess so, right? Like I'm listening to CBC interviews with professionals who are like supposedly people with PhDs who are appearing on CBC radio, subject matter experts. Mm-hmm. The interviewer will ask them a question and the first word out of their mouth is usually sure. And then they'll go into the answer. Mm-hmm. Which is weird because the interviewer has not said something to which the response, sure, or absolutely, is what you would normally say. It's not like they have said, like, like it's not as if the interviewer has said, would you be able to tell us something about how pulsars and quasars form? To which somebody would say, sure, mm-hmm. I can tell you a bit about that, and then launch into the answer. Instead, the viewer, the interviewer would be asking something along the lines of, you know, I, what can you tell us about pulsars and quasars? Mm-hmm. And the person will respond with, sure. Yeah. Pulsars and quasars are blah, blah, blah. It's like, wait a minute. The word sure is not in any way a response to the question that was just asked to you. It is a literally just a placeholder. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's the same way that somebody would say. Yeah, giving them a little bit of time to think. Right? Yeah, it's like a placeholder. It's like a verbal tick. Yeah. Right? So what's totally fascinating to me is that ChatGPT is developing a verbal tick. Mm, yes. Yeah. That, yeah, I never thought about That's it weird. that way. Yeah, but there, I think there's a lot of things that... Uh, you know, are developing on the back end, it is still a little bit of a black box in terms of the training, just the massive amounts of data. So I'm no expert in it, but I'm sure we've had a few others on the podcast that could go into details about that. But overall, I'll just wrap up by saying it. Ken, again, a huge thanks to you for uh, stepping in and trying something a little bit different here. And a huge thanks to ChatGPT for helping us come up with some ideas for the innovation programs in your organization. So hopefully that was useful. Thank you very much, everyone, and have a great afternoon. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode was brought to you by New Idea Machine. NIM helps new software developers, UI UX designers, and product managers gain mentored hands-on industry experience. And at the same time, we provide companies with risk-free tech talent. Definitely a win-win-win situation. Visit newideamachine.com for more information. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>